1: Episode 36 of the Green Street Hammers podcast is coming at you live in an early midweek episode here. We are jumping in because we have a match to talk about that already happened and one coming up to talk about as well. Uh, two-man crew tonight in this abbreviated short episode. Uh, Jeremiah, how you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good, man. How about yourself?
1: I can't complain after that Sunday that we had. Uh, mm-hmm. All eyes on us as the only other match that was being played was Crystal Palace and Wolves, which actually turned out to be comically uh, a comical end to it with uh, Wolves... Tying it up with ten men, but that's not what we're here to talk about. West Ham took down Manchester United two 0 in a pretty dominant match. Um, heading into the, heading into that game, were you concerned that West Ham were going to maybe flub the opportunity with the spotlight on them, or did you have sort of a confidence about you?
0: Oddly, oddly, a lot of confidence. I think um, you know, I think in the back of our minds, there's always that little bit of like, oh, uh, they're going to flub it up or do something stupid. But uh, yeah, oddly, I was feeling oddly confident about it. How about yourself?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same. There was always that sneaking suspicion in the back of my mind, like, oh, it's a it's a game where you can pull the parachute. Oh, it's Manchester United. I know they're not they're not you know what they used to be, but they're still a talented team. Rashford's quick. He's an international. Uh, you know, Daniel James. Oh, he's got a magic right foot. There's a lot of excuses that could be built into it, but it's not what we saw. Mark Noble ran circles around their midfield that included Scott McTominay and. Uh, Nemanja Matic and it turns out that West Ham win the game 2-0 keep another clean sheet which is four in a row three in the Premier League in a row and things are looking all right for West Ham
0: Dude, things are looking really good right now and uh yeah it's impressive you know I think you kind of look and it, it's like you could say like oh it's the beginning of the season this and that and anything else but honestly we'll take the points where we can get it and you know looking comparing this season to the last few like this is this is huge so definitely Definitely excited and we have a, a fairly, I don't want to like jinx it, but a, a fairly reasonable schedule coming up too.
1: Yeah, I don't want to say it's, you know, there's like a lot of winnable matches, but it's a, it's a softer schedule just based on there not being top six opponents in it until uh, the end of November when, when Tottenham pops up on that schedule. Let's talk about the three positions that sort of had question marks around them in this Manchester United match that would be starting right wing, starting central attacking mid and starting left back. We'll start from the top and work our work our way back. Andre Yarmolenko scores a goal in this match after having a pretty forgettable game against Aston Villa. Overall, did he impress you or did he did he really just pop up for that one goal? Was it more complete from him? What did you see out of Yarmolenko? Uh,
0: I felt I felt like it was a more complete match. I think you know, we talked about it on the podcast last week. Anybody that's watched the matches, I mean, it seemed like around like the, before the 20th minute he seems spent, you know, he's like kind of dragging around. He's, he's just looks exhausted. He looks how I would feel after about two, but, uh, but you know, I feel like, I don't know if something, I don't know if he's gotten more training, he's just gotten into it more, but I feel like this match, he really came out and he really played well on both ends of the pitch. He was able to track back pretty well too, I thought, which to me didn't seem like a thing that he could do too well in the past. And I think all around me, he had a really good kind of all around performance.
1: Yeah, the one thing everyone keeps harping on is, oh, he he's not up to match fitness. He's coming off of two long term injuries. He needs games to get ready. And then when he doesn't show up in a game, everyone says, oh, I'll drop him because we want someone that's going to have an instant impact. Well, uh-huh. it's kind of it's a double edged sword, right? And you know, the the first little while in the match, he's running around. He runs with his arms kind of flailing, which is funny to see because he's a big guy. Uh-huh. He looks like a wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. But uh, he he did have a more complete match in my eyes as well. There's actually one. Uh, one point where he comes back and makes a diving tackle, which saved a shot on goal, which, you know, anything can happen in football with a shot on goal. So he, he dove and stopped a pretty close range shot with the back of his leg, uh, which is always welcome. We always want to see that dedication to coming back. And I think that's part and parcel of the sort of transformation of wingers to be being played on inverted sides, free roaming, switching when, whenever they can, but also tracking back and playing on both sides of the ball. We saw the, the transformation with Felipe Anderson, and now we're seeing. To a lesser extent, although I think maybe more impressive, just based off of the physicality difference between Anderson and Yarmolenko, that transformation mm-hmm. for Yarmolenko, I don't think there's any complaints about his game. Um, that goal he scored was awesome. I, I didn't realize how clean he hit the ball when it went in because it looked almost kind of slow, but that thing was like a worm burner. It was just cutting the grass, humming right across it, and it was just exactly where De Gea couldn't couldn't get to it.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was impressive too because he really had to reach out, like use his length to reach out and get it it was a great one touch. And I mean, he just put it in there perfectly. Like you said, a warm burner even had a little curl to it. I mean, it just went, I mean, it, you couldn't ask for a better shot right there.
1: Oh, it was, per- it was perfect. And you know what, as much stick as De Gea gets for sometimes letting in easy goals, he had two tough goals to defend in this match. And I don't mm-hmm. think that, uh, I don't think he could be blamed for anything on this one. It was just a really strong performance from West Ham. And like we said, that, that one, two touch from Yarmolenko the, the pass from Philippa Anderson, it was, you know, it was beautiful. Um, to the next position, Pablo Fornals. Less of an impact than Ar- than Yarmolenko if you want to look at the score sheet, but I didn't have too many issues with how he played. I thought he was maybe a little bit slow getting back on the defensive side of things, and then once he had the ball and the attack was moving forward, he looked a lot more in his element. He was moving. He was overlapping. He was becoming an option, a passing option in the middle, but also going off to the wings. How do you rate Fornals in this is, uh his you know newfound position with Lanzini out a little bit more long term.
0: Yeah, you know, he didn't do anything to screw it up. Uh, realistically, and he looked good, you know, in my mind. And this, this was his first actual start, right, for the Premier League or I in the Premier so. League. I, believe I think so, it was. Yeah. He started that one, the uh, Carabao Cup match, I believe, or maybe came in. I can't remember. I'm I'm sounding dumb right now, but uh, <laughs> but he uh, he looked good, you know. He like I said, he didn't screw it up. And I think with him and you talked about Anderson but him and Yarmolenko are kind of in the same boat if you think about playtime and how they are both coming into the Premier League you know Yarmo didn't get a lot of chances last year he had just a few matches before he went out he didn't really get the full kind of you know potential out of him yet in learning what the Premier League's like and you know both of them come from strong leagues but it's not the Premier League and so yeah very impressed by Fornals I think um, he's just going to continue growing from here
1: I don't know if I can add too much more to that. We're gonna have to get used to him, whether you like him or not. And I think right. you know, kind of gritting your teeth. If you if you're not a fan of him, which I think you and I both are, gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. If you're not a fan mm-hmm. of him, you know it's gonna be a grit your teeth and, and sort of bear it and hope he gets his bearings quickly because Lanzini appears to be a minimum a month, I believe, is what the rumor is going around with the foot bruise. So mm-hmm. um, no need to rush him back. You have players that can fill that spot. Worst case scenario, Jack Wilshere steps in. Robert Snodgrass steps in. Sanchez comes on. Noble moves up. There are different options that West Ham can sort of play with here. You play with two strikers and, and you know drop a jetty back a little bit, or even drop Sebastian El back a little bit, who was great with holding up, you know, holding up mm-hmm. the ball by himself. So there's options for West Ham right now. It, you know, there's no need to panic just because Lanzini's out. It's a it's an inevitability with West Ham. Star players are going to get injured. We all know this. So um, right. there's no point in dwelling on it. For now, is a good start. I hope we see him for a bit in the in the Oxford match, but we'll get to that in a little bit. The last position I want to talk to you about was left back, and uh, boy oh boy, was there a thunderbolt coming <laughs> from that left back spot?
0: Man, I don't think uh, I know myself. I couldn't be any more wrong, um, <laughs> and, and and kind of slating him in the way I put him down over the the past few weeks. But yeah, Kress came in, and Kress looked he looked like the Kress of old. Uh, really, did he? He played well. He went up good. He, I mean, he all around from the offensive side of things to the defense he didn't get beat you know he he looked well and i was even laughing to myself a couple times watching him take men on and winning at first i'm like this isn't you know i'm talking to myself i'm like this isn't really happening is it <laughs> and uh it was he he played fantastic and
1: i think part of the he, he's not taking people on is he came down to the fact that I don't think the other team expected him to start taking them on. There was one ma- mm-hmm. There was one point in the match early, he had the ball along the sideline, and he just kept sort of poking it on with the outside of his foot and running mm-hmm. on it. And he ended up getting like 15 or 20 yards because nobody was tackling him because they didn't think he was going to keep going. It was awesome to see. They're right. And he really grew into the match as well. Again, he was thrust into it after the red card suspension for Mazuaku. And now there's questions about him coming back because Cresswell played well defensively and also chipped in offensively. And granted his crossing, isn't what it was, you know, back when he was throwing the ball to Andy Carroll, which I'm sure Sebastian O'Leary is not so pleased about. Cause he can really, you know, get on top of an aerial ball, but um, let's talk about that free kick. I think it was just about 10 minutes prior. He had missed one, not by much hmm. uh, from a, a more wide position, but this one, he was to the right of the box and he just, he just got the ball as cleanly as you can get it over that wall.
0: Uh, it, was a, it was a thing of beauty, and I mean, we've seen him. I don't think this was the first game that we've seen in recent times anyway of him taking free kicks, and he's had a lot of kind of howlers just going way over the top, and you can tell that he's really perfected it and worked on it, and I think truly, I mean, you can relate this to a lot of the guys that have gotten chances to come back out and play. He's taken the time of not starting and used it well. He hasn't taken, well, I'm going to be on the bench, so I'm not going to maybe play that well or practice that hard. I think he's done the reversal of taking the time knowing that he's not – Possibly going to be the starter, but perfecting whatever it is that his craft is and getting better at it.
1: And it's a smart move if you think about it. If you if you like, let's say you're trying to keep your job. If things are getting tight at your job, mm-hmm. find things that you can do that make you a necessity to the team. Manuel Lanzini is our free kick taker with Robert Snodgrass not playing and takes a lot of our corners. Fornals was taking the corners in this match, but free kicks. There was no one contesting Aaron Cresswell to take that free kick to score the goal at the end. There was no one no one else around. So he's doing something that no one else can do to that level on the pitch. And, you know, that should be, you know, another feather in his cap and also should be, a, you know, a mark in his column when you're coming to the debate of Mazuaku-Cresswell, Mazuaku-Cresswell. So right now I think we are lucky because Cresswell's in form. He didn't do this against, you know, a team like, I don't know, someone at the bottom of the league. Like, let's say he, let's say he did this to, you know, Wolves, even though they, they're a good team, they're just playing poorly. Let's say West Ham are thrashing Wolves, and you know he throws this on top of it. No, this is a prime time game against Manchester United, and he puts that ball in the top corner. Like, there's something to be said about that performance. Now, if you're going forward to our next Premier League match, are you picking Mazuaku because he didn't really do much to lose his job, or Cresswell because he didn't do much to be replaced after filling in so well?
0: That's tough. I think, um, and you know, I'm always a, a fan of playing the hot hand. So. I mean, you don't change a winning side and you don't take out a player that's in form. I think Mazuaku, obviously, with the unlucky break and getting sent off, you know, gave Cresswell this opportunity. He came in, he played well. He hasn't done anything to lose that job. So, yeah, I think he comes out and the best case scenario is if he comes out and he doesn't look good, then you bring Mazuaku in. And I think that I'm kind of laughing to myself thinking about him, like how how funny is this we go back you know like six eight weeks and we're talking about like how in trouble we might be at left back and now realistically for right now anyway we have two solid choices
1: just shows you the importance of form in the primary because someone can get mm. hot and there you go um let's let's have a little push forward here and a move on maybe this is a good segue because i don't think we're going to see either of those players when it comes to the oxford match um because West Ham uh, have a Carabao Cup match coming up in two days' time as we record this on the 23rd. Um, This will probably come on the 24th, so it'll be tomorrow. Anyways, we digress. Uh, West Ham have Oxford at Oxford. Now, this match, uh, you know, could it be a banana skin? Possibly. Oxford got here by beating Millwall on penalties, actually, so um, they've already done done us one favor. But uh, I'm feeling this air of optimism because West Ham are are playing so well that you're getting, you're getting performances from play. It's not like we have one player that's banging in all of our goals back when it was Payette, you know, everything had his Uh name on it. Um, this is, these are team performances that West Ham are putting forward. Sebastian is stepping in when he needs to, we're probably not going to see him either, but let's go top to bottom. Actually let's go bottom to top here and let's look at West Ham's team and see exactly who's going to step in and who's going to make the starting roster? I think we should probably keep the same 4-2, uh, 3-1 uh, formation they've been playing. I think that's probably what they'll, they'll stick to. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we can probably both agree uh, Roberto as the keeper, correct?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think he needs to get as many opportunities out as he can.
1: And anytime you can rest uh, Fabianski and just give him a little extra time off, especially with international duty and with Poland, Uh, you got to give the you got to give the star of the team that opportunity and roberto played actually really well against uh our previous Carabout cup match against uh newport county so um give him the opportunity i i something i noticed about it he was coming off his back line a lot and claiming a lot of balls which is something that adrian hadn't been great at doing in the past
0: Uh um
1: so it's nice to see someone assertive there and you know playing with fabianski you're probably going to pick up on a lot of that um let's go to right back. We have two options. Uh, we have three technically Ryan Fraser, uh, sorry, Ryan Fraser. Ryan Fredericks won't be selected. Um, he was replaced in the game, uh, against Manchester United due to an injury, it appears to his hamstring. Um, he'll get the week off to, to try and get ready for the match on the weekend. However, Pablo Zabaleta and Ben Johnson should both be in contingent for this one. If Johnson is ready, if they're both ready, who starts at right back?
0: I'm going to go with Johnson on this one. If, if he is ready, I think that, um, getting him out there it's been a while since we've seen him um just get him out there and get him the play time and probably have Zabaleta obviously on the bench and if things go if things like we were just talking about with left back things go wrong you have a solid veteran player to bring in so yeah Johnson for me
1: so I'm tempted to pick Zabaleta here because I would then start Johnson at left back I know he's a natural right back but he's you know dual footed and he's played left back against Manchester City and looked great so I think you have the option there that being mm-hmm. said, if Johnson's injured, start at right back. Let's jump over to left back. And I think you have a tailor-made excuse to start Arthur Mazuaku here to get him back in form because, oh, Cresswell just played on the weekend. Johnson's not available. You're fresh off of more than a week's rest. You throw him in.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think he's in form, or he was in form. So try to keep the hot hand going. And, um, I mean, it's still – it is a cup match. It's not the Premier League, but it is still important. And I think – you know, anybody around West Ham wants to win a cup or, or make a good cup run. So, yeah, I think it's a good match to be in.
1: And let's go to the center back pairing here. Belbuena, I think you and I both probably have penciled in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. The general. And, and the next spot is tricky. Ideally, let's say we we have our, we, we travel back in time. It's the beginning of August. We're playing in our second League Cup match. You would probably want to see either Goncalo Cardoso or mm-hmm. Winston Reed but I think it's probably going to be it's a Diop.
0: I would think. I think Smart Money is probably going to be on Diop. I mean, the forever West Ham in my heart wants to see Winston Reed come out and do well, and I, I don't know if he's ready yet. I think, I guess he did play, possibly did he play in under 23s last weekend? Um, I think I heard some reports that he did do that. So, I mean, he's playing again at a, a little lower level, but he is starting to come back around. But, I yeah. Long story short, I think smart money is uh, is the up.
1: Yeah, I think he may have one or two more starts scheduled with them. Same with Cardoso to sort mm-hmm. of see how that works out. But um, I agree, if Winston Reed was available, I'd love to see him go in there. But um, if not, Diop, he's younger. He can sort of pull the parachute for your team, if you will. He can step out of the uh, you know step up make make a great game saving tackle, and mm-hmm. I think he has that chemistry with Balbuena that Ogbana doesn't. And as well, like bond is, you know, he's a little bit older. He'll probably appreciate the rest a little bit more. So I think so far we're in agreeance here. Um, let's go to the holding midfield positions. Normally it's Mark Noble in that box to box role. And beside him is Declan Rice in that holding midfield role who sort of covers back for the defenders. I'm going to let you jump in here. Who who do you have as one of these two holding midfielders?
0: Um, I think you start rice again. I think, uh, if I had to pick between Rice and Noble, I'm going to start Rice and give, give the skipper a rest. I mean, he is getting up there in age, and I think it's just going to be a good opportunity for him to take a break and and continue, like you said. Same thing with Diop. You know, Rice is young; he can play and play and play until his heart content.
1: Who's your partner for him then?
0: Ah, uh, partner, probably I'm going to go with Wilshire on this one. I don't think he has the same defensive abilities, but kind of how you've seen Mark Noble, kind of. Almost more free flowing and kind of being all over the place. I think Wilshire has a good uh, fit for that. So yeah, I would pair him with uh, yeah Wilshire, yeah Wilshire and Rice.
1: Interesting. <laughs> we we have we finally have some disagreeing on the podcast here. I don't think nice. we have any wrong nice. answers, but uh, just a difference of opinions. I would go Sanchez and Coventry in the midfield. Okay. From what I've heard, Coventry's been great with the with the England or sorry the Ireland under twenty ones, I believe, which I know mm-hmm. is a different level. Um, but he's looked composed when he's played He's he's been on the ball really strongly and I think Carlos Sanchez it's been a while since we've seen him since the last cup match but he's been he, he was good in that match and he played a role really well if you can keep both of them deep and focused on defensive responsibilities I think you could potentially have a good match up there and it'd be good valuable minutes for both of those players so again you'd you'd probably have Wilshire playing that more traditional box-to-box role because he can offer so much more attacking right
0: Correct. Yeah, and I mean, I, I do like Coventry a lot. I think he's got a lot of potential. I think maybe I'm just a little scared. I know the last match out uh, when we played Newport. I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he had that one play that the towards the end of the match where he just completely gave passed to the wrong guy or gave the ball away, and I'm like, oh, that, that scares me just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I remember that. Too. I, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, okay, let's go center attacking mid. Who do you have starting in there?
0: that's tough I think um obviously you don't I mean, we do have options um I don't know I don't know if, if Snodgrass really is a solid attacking mid choice I don't know where else you might want to see him probably on the right but I think getting Fournals out there and I know it sounds like I'm I'm, I'm putting out a very strong lineup but with Fournals out there it's just getting him more time giving him more opportunities to to play and kind of just get used to the feel of the team and Used to the feel of everything else so I'm probably going to keep for now starting up there
1: and you know what it's not a bad shout because if Lanzini wasn't out with the bruised foot he'd be a no-brainer to start everyone would be saying put him in to start get a minute so right he's not going to be running on empty um, I know he did just have his first start so he probably is still coming down from that but I, I think that's a good shout for me um, I got Wilshire starting there but again we have different lineups uh, <laughs> on the right side I have Snodgrass and I think you probably agree correct
0: yeah you get to bring him in it's been a little bit since we've seen him with a lot of minutes anyway uh keep him out there get him fresh and i mean you know the dude he's crazy he's gonna play lights out and he's gonna be running all over the place so yeah he's a good solid position to be on the right
1: he'll keep the, com- the competition level up high and he'll run himself down into the ground he'll be a leader he could potentially wear the armband as well if sabaleta doesn't have it and yeah i think he'll hold that standard up so you and i agree there and on the left side i want to hear who you say who do you have <laughs>
0: I hope I hope I hope we see Nathan Holland. Maybe I think too. yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, we may not, who knows man. We we honestly may not. And but if we don't, I don't know what else we're going to see out there um realistically. So yeah, I think that we see him. I don't know if he played on Friday with the under 23, but I think he did. I think he played another lights out match. He ha- he was in on um, every goal. Yeah. There was
1: four goals scored, he was in on every one.
0: He has to, I think. I mean, I think it's time, and hopefully, Pellegrini agrees when he listens to this. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think all in all, it has to be him.
1: Yeah, I can't, I can't differentiate anything from you on that one. I think he's proven that he deserves a look, and if Oxford doesn't get, he doesn't, you know, is deemed too much for him, then what are we doing? So I think mm-hmm. it's it's perfect time for him, um, and to strike. I think we have a yeti, a jetty as our strikers. Correct.
0: Yeah, I think a Yeti is uh, is really it. I think Silva is still. I'm excited to see Silva come back, but once again, I think Silva's kind of in the same boat as Reed, a lot of uh, you know just slowly coming back from that injury. So yeah, I think a Yeti comes in, and hopefully we can see him get some more opportunities than he got the last time out.
1: And would you have Spash and Allaire on the bench as an emergency button?
0: I think I think you have to because I don't think that we we're very thin forward so i think that yeah i think you have to have him on the emergency button just in case you know something if west ham west ham it up <laughs> and uh you yeah you gotta happen, bring somebody right? in yeah it is a cup
1: yeah. so um, for me i would gamble a bit more I-, I wrote a piece about anthony scully the striker for the under 23 team that's been mm-hmm. exploding this season i think he's got five goals and four matches or four goals and five matches with an assist And he's been playing really well with Nathan Holland. I think if you start them together, don't start them together, have them in the same team together, there could be some connection there. And I think if you, you know, if you give this young kid a run out at the end of the match for ten or fifteen minutes to sort of run at some tired defenders and link up with his with his mate Nathan Holland, you could see some action there. But again, that's maybe that's a little bit too adventurous at this point in the season. But I think the teams we put forward, either one, really just a discrepancy in the midfield, are both young. They get minutes to people who need them off the bench. They have enough uh, veteran players on them that you would feel secure in the game. And then you also leave yourself insulated on the bench with the likes of Mark Noble, Declan Rice possibly, if he's not starting like your lineup, uh, Felipe Anderson to come in. There's a lot of options that are there that can sort of pull the game back in West Ham's direction.
0: Yeah, and how nice is that to actually say the fact that we have a that solid of squad depth oh. that we... I mean, we agreed on a lot, but we disagreed on a lot too. And, you know, neither is a bad option. Do you have any
1: final thoughts as we head into this Oxford United match? Do you do you peg West Ham to win? And if so, do you think the clean sheet streak will continue?
0: I think it will. I think that Roberto, you know, he's, he hasn't been playing since the last one, but he's looked solid. The defense is solid. I think you have to keep the streak alive or at least push towards it. And it is Oxford. Nothing, you know, putting them down because it is a cup match, and you never know what you're going to get from it. But, yeah, if we're going to be out there trying to make this cup run like everyone's talking about, then, yeah, absolutely. I I don't have a score exactly. Maybe we'll go, like, we'll go 3-0. We'll go a Little adventurous and say we're going to get more than the basic two. But, yeah, um, I think so. I, I want to know. I mean, I want to hear your answer for this too, but then who – you kind of said it already if it is Snodgrass, but who wears the armband?
1: I think Zabaleta wears it. He's uh-uh. He's been wearing it, I guess, if Noble hasn't been playing. And if he starts, which we both think he probably should, um, I would give it to him. But if not, Snodgrass is a, is a fine person to wear. Wilshere had it on in the preseason, I believe, as well. Um, uh-huh. So there's options. We both have Wilshere starting in the game, so definite options there. And for me, I have been predicting that West Ham allow goals in all of their clean sheets that they've kept. So I'm not going <laughs> to jinx it. Uh, my unwashed Declan Rice kit is downstairs. The jersey is anyways. Um, and that's going to be going on as well. So um, I'll keep I'll, I'll hold up my end of the bargain if they do as well. So I'm going to pick a 4-1 win. Maybe a, a set-piece scramble that Oxford cleans up and puts in. But other than that, I think I see, you see a Jetty getting, getting on the scoreboard with one or two. Um, Nathan Holland for sure mixing into that. And then I could see maybe some some spotty defending seeing a penalty pop up in the likes of someone like Snodgrass or Will taking that one to sort of pad their stats a little bit there, but I'm confident heading into this one as I think every West Ham fan should be.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely agree.
1: Well, that will do it for us on this abbreviated episode, 25 minutes. Not bad. Easy listening for midweek here. Uh, Let us know your score predictions as well. We're always happy to interact and chat on Twitter and on Facebook as well. So uh, let us know what you guys are thinking for this one. We're all confident heading into it and come on you irons.
0: Well you are